Hey, welcome. Yeah, like no one in the camera is going to talk back to me, so you guys can talk back this morning. Uh, for those of you watching, there are people really here. Uh, I'll show you just a second. I've never taken a picture of people that I've spoken to before, but can you all like put your hands up? Okay, I'll get this side, then I'll get this side. All right, so for those of you who need to see this because you don't believe it, right there. Do you see that? They're here. Hold on. Look at that. They're here. They're really here, but I'm so glad that you're here as well. And uh, this, is, this is just so weird. Can we just own that? That This is just so strange. We're in this massive theater right now, and we have to set these things up so that you at home can see, and there's only like 25 of us here. I took a picture of that. You saw that we're not overcrowding, okay, authorities or whoever might be watching, that we're, we're good. We're really good. And, uh, but yet it's, it's so strange, isn't it? That this, this feels like the church shouldn't be like this. Uh, and so one of the things I want to do is, um, you know, I would, love, I would love for you guys, if you have anything to say during the sermon, that you would, you would just yell that out, okay? Uh, no, one, no one's probably going to hear that on the microphone, uh, so if it's ridiculous, I'll just keep talking. No, I'm just joking. But I would love for this to be more participatory than it usually is, um, and I would love to involve people more, especially where we have uh, fewer people here. Uh, but I'm so glad that you can tune in. I'm so sorry that church here. Let's have fun. This is, uh, this is a bit strange. Second time I've said it, so you know I'm feeling that. So I'll pray, and then we'll get going. Uh, God, thank you that uh, you have revealed to us who you are. Would you fill us with your spirit right now? Would you uh, help us understand who you are, but not just understand, but to enter into relationship with you because of who you are, that we would experience your fullness. Holy Spirit, you would fill us with great expectation of what you could do. So we love you, and despite the awkwardness of what we're experiencing right now, uh, you, you work despite that. So we need you. Amen. So who is God? It's on the screen. We talked about it last week. Who is God? Yahweh. Man, that's amazing. Your dad must be a genius. <laughs> Yahweh. Yeah, we learned his name, didn't we? What else did we learn about Yahweh last week? Who is he? What is he like? No. I'm so, so Your dad must not have taught you well. Good, good job, though, Stella. Amazing. So John the baptizer came before Jesus, right? But who does God want to be with us? Does he want to be just our master? He wants to be our friend, right? Adults, you can answer as well, all right? And so what we're going to do is we're just going to keep going with, with this passage. We're only doing two verses over the course of six or seven weeks. And we saw that God has a name. His name is Yahweh, and he is our friend. But here's something interesting. If you were paying attention when Jordan read the scripture, he repeats his name, doesn't he? He says, the Lord, the Lord in English or in Hebrew, Yahweh, Yahweh. And we have to ask, why, why does he repeat his name? God is now speaking to us. Does he have a speech impediment? Does he need to repeat himself twice? What's going on here? Well, then they didn't have bold Bold words. If I wanted to put something on the screen here that you would uh, pay attention to, I would put it in bold, underline it, put it in italics, something like that. But then you would repeat yourself. In Jesus' ministry, he would say, verily, verily. So not just truly, but truly, truly, like 
Listen up. Listen up. And God is saying, I'm, I know you're with me, brother. I'm so glad that you are. This might get more exciting than it usually does. <laughs> Man, I'm feeling this. Uh, so, Yahweh, Yahweh, like, listen up, guys. Listen up. This is going to be important. That I am not just any God. I am not just any God, but I am better than any other God. And that's what we're going to look at today. So next week, we're going to start looking at the attributes. You heard compassionate and slow to anger and forgiving, all those things. We're going to look at those over the next few weeks. But this morning, we're going to look at why God repeats his name and specifically how he's saying that he is better than any of the other gods. We're going to compare him to the other gods today. So a lot of this material actually impacted me um, from a book uh, John Mark Comer wrote called God Has a Name. Chapter 2 is phenomenal. There are other resources on, on this stuff as well. But I just want to give him uh, recognition in terms of m- helping me to understand a lot of this, this stuff. So Yahweh is rarely called God in the Bible. He's rarely called God. Why do you think that might be? Just say it. Because that's not his name. That's right. Why else do you think? Respect. Okay. Because there's other gods. We've got an adult on the board for right answers. All right. Kids, kids two, adults one. All right. Because there are many gods. Now, you might be confused thinking, like, what are we talking about? I thought that we were monotheistic. I thought we believed that there's one God. What's this many God thing? Well, in Genesis, the first book of the Bible, here's what we read when we turn to chapter 1, verse 1. We read this, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. But the word there isn't God. The word is actually Elohim. And Elohim is a category, not a name. So an Elohim would be an invisible but very real spiritual creature. All right? So let's say that. Elohim. Elohim. Elohim is an invisible but very real spiritual creature. Yeah, yeah, adults got that one too. So two to two. All right? So we have this spiritual category. Kids, you got to dig deep. You got to dig deep for this, all right? We have this spiritual category of beings called the Elohim. But the Bible is telling us in Genesis chapter 1 that there is one Elohim who created everything. So what we're going to see is that despite the fact that there's lots of Elohim, there's one Elohim that created everything. And he created everything as like an overflow of his creativity and love. We were like a canvas that he painted on. And so as we go through scripture, we're going to see that he is an unparalleled Elohim. What does unparalleled mean, kids? Unmatchable. That's great. Kids, three. That's like a half point because I gave it to you, right? I didn't let the adults answer. Unparalleled. There's no Elohim like him. I want to show you a few verses. I'm going to put it up on the screen. I know some of you back there, hey, I know you can't see the screen. I'm so sorry. Pretend like it's up there or you can open your Bible. All right, I got a thumbs up. We don't want anyone angry here, right? Okay. Uh, Psalm 86, verse 8 says, Lord, Yahweh, there is no one like you among the gods, and there are no works like yours. So, so far, Yahweh, other gods. We'll keep going. Psalm 96, 4. For the Lord is great and highly praised. He is feared above all gods. 
So far, Yahweh is winning. Top Elohim. All who serve carved images, those who boast in worthless idols, will be put to shame. All the gods must worship him. So the Bible is telling us that only the creator Elohim is worthy of worship. All the other Elohim, all the other gods must worship him. And one day, all the other gods will, by force, be forced to recognize who the true Elohim, Yahweh, really is. That he is to be feared and revered above all the other Elohim. He's the only one worth worship. But here's the thing, and we've mentioned it already. There are other Elohim. There are other gods. And God shows his power and his might. He flexes against these other gods in redeeming his people. This is where it's most clear, is when God goes to a people enslaved, whether physically or spiritually, and he removes them out of slavery. Because all the other gods that were, that were getting credit for keeping people there, God broke in like a robber, destroyed everyone, and took what is actually his. It's like God has been robbed, so he went back to take what was his. Let me read you a verse from Exodus 12. Exodus 12, verse 12, says, I am the Lord, and I will execute judgments against all the gods of Egypt. This is what God said as he was about to bring his people up out of slavery in Egypt. And so this is amazing. This is amazing. That God, the plagues, you guys know the plagues? Yeah, all right. So the plagues that God brought onto the land of Egypt to bring his people out of slavery, guess who they were against? The God, adult, adult, for, you get like a quarter of a point, all right? Adult gets full point. Yeah, the gods of Egypt. That God comes in and he says, I'm ready to take on all the gods of Egypt. In Ultimate Fighting, UFC in the early days, I don't really watch it anymore. It's, it's become like WWE wrestling, basically. But in the early days, they would have tournaments. And it was like the guy who beat the most amount of guys in one night won. It was crazy, like not safe at all, like not a good thing. Doctors should be shaking. I'm looking for that head shaking, doctor. Uh, it's not a good thing, right? But at the end of the night, you knew who the toughest person was or the dumbest person, one or the other. But as God brings his people up out of Egypt, he's showing the Egyptians and the Israelites that I, I am the toughest. I am the one. So what I want to do is I want to tell you about the 10 gods real quick. So happy a fun name, Happy. I'm sure you pronounce it differently, but I pronounce it Happy. Happy is a god of the Nile. What does God do to the Nile? Just yell it out. He turns it to blood. It's like, what's up, Happy? You think that you're so powerful to keep the Nile, but what happens? After Moses helps turn it into blood, what happens? The what? That, yeah, but then there's a group of magicians connected to other gods, and what do they do? Yeah, they do the same thing, copy-paste. like, we can do that too, not a big deal. Fine. Second god is Hecate, the goddess with a frog head. Wouldn't that be great, have your goddess with a frog head? What does God do? What does he make jumps out of the Nile? Yeah, frogs everywhere, right? Frogs everywhere. And then what do the magicians do? They do the same thing. So God's like, all right, fine, done with this. So then there's a, a god named Geb, and he's the god of the earth. And then what does God do? You guys remember? 
Uh, that's coming later, all right? But it's gnats, sand fleas, or lice. We're not really sure what it was, but here's what happens. People recognize Exodus 8, verse 19. This is the finger of God, the magician said to Pharaoh. We can't do this. Our gods aren't powerful enough. And then God says, well, there's seven more. Cappy, the God of creation, has a fly head. Do you know what God does? He sends flies all over the land. Says, Cappy, you're nothing. Hathor is a goddess of protection, supposed to protect all the animals and keep them good. What does God do? He makes the cattle and the livestock die. Isis, the goddess of medicine and other things as well, but is supposed to keep people healthy. What does God do? He brings boils onto people. Newt, the goddess of sky, can't keep hail from landing all over the Egyptian fields. God brings hail. Seth, the god of storms, can't keep a storm of locusts that God sends from the land. Ra, the god of sun, supposed to be the king of the gods, supposed to enlighten the world for everyone. What does God do? He brings darkness for three days. What is God saying? He says, Ra, you're nothing. I'm the king of the gods. You're supposed to believe it, Jordan. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> Jordan was talking to his child. Let me explain this. Jordan was talking to his child, and I just answered Jordan. Then we get to the last one, Pharaoh. He's the ultimate leader, the ultimate God. They viewed Pharaoh as the absolute ultimate God. He's supposed to protect all the people, and what does God do? Yeah, he sends in the angel of death to wipe out the firstborn in all of the land. In essence, God is saying, I am the ultimate king of the gods. And people then finally recognize and celebrate his supremacy over the gods. And you have to understand, this is a really big deal. Because if you lived in this culture where you thought that there was a God connected to everything, and this new God comes in and just kind of like chess pieces one after the other, knocks them down, and then goes after your king and knocks him down and out of the way, this is a really big deal. Sometimes we read it out of the lens of 2020, and it's like, I don't really understand all this. This isn't all that amazing. But this is really amazing. And the people recognize it. Look at this. Numbers 33 verse 4. Meanwhile, the Egyptians were burying every firstborn male the Lord had struck down and among them, for the Lord had executed judgment against their gods. He had done it. Exodus 18.11. Moses' father-in-law says, Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods because he did wonders when the Egyptians acted arrogantly against Israel. People are seeing this. This is what we pray for our city. Right? This is what we pray for our neighbors and our friends and our coworkers, that they would see the worthlessness of the things that they pursue. And this is what we pray for our own hearts because our hearts aren't perfect and pure and wonderful all the time, are they? We go after false gods. And the Lord wants to keep showing us how great he is. In Exodus 15, 11, Lord, Yahweh, who is like you among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, revered with praises, performing wonders? When you see this epicness of God, the first commandment makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? You're like, I don't, I don't remember the first commandment. I got you. Hold on. Exodus 20, verse 2 and 3 says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Remember? all those other gods that I toppled and knocked over, I'm the Lord your God who's above all of them. Out of the place of slavery. So do not have other gods besides me. I've shown you that I'm worthy. I've shown you that I'm worthy. 
I guess that's it. Don't worship the other gods. Don't worship the other gods. But we have to recognize this. That there are other spiritual beings at work in this world and they are powerful. Okay, you have to know this. So many Christians walk around not really believing, let alone thinking that there are other spiritual beings around us all the time. All the time. The Bible uses the following words to describe these beings. Okay, this is a list. I'm just going to read it. Gods, heavenly beings, sons of God, sons of the Most High, cherubim, seraphim, angels, demons. You might be more comfortable with those, angels, demons. Princes, lords, powers, principalities, rulers, authorities, spiritual forces of evil, powers of this dark world, evil spirits. The reality is, and we need to wake up to this sometimes, the reality is, is that we are surrounded by spiritual beings all the time. It is not French versus English. It is not conservative versus liberal. It is not any of these things. It's not any of these things. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil, spiritual forces in the heavens. It's so easy to look at someone else and say, oh, I'm against them. But they're playing us. They're playing humans against humans so that we look at other people as the problem. They're on the same team. These evil spiritual beings that we can't see are causing so much havoc and they sit in enjoyment of what they're watching. That God made humanity to be in unity under his rule and reign. And yet these spiritual beings are causing chaos amongst us. They're causing divisions where it's not necessary. People are not the problem. The anti-Yahweh gods want to destroy us. They want to destroy you. Now, they're probably not going to scare you anymore. You're probably over getting scared in your room or scared at dark. What they want to do is they want to show you that Yahweh is not enough. They want to show you that Yahweh is not enough. They'll say, these dark forces will say, oh, you can have God. You can have Yahweh. That's good. Like, we're for that. Fine. But you also need these other things as well. And this narrative plays out in all of our lives. That you have God and that's, and that's good. But he can't be your security. You need a really good RRSP. And when you get a good RRSP and good savings plan and financial freedom, then you're going to be all set. Well, what is that doing? It's not bad to have a good RRSP. It's not bad to have a good financial plan. But when our confidence leaves being in Yahweh and turns into something else, then then we have a new God. And these gods are okay not getting credit for things as long as Yahweh doesn't get the credit. They want to remove our affection and attention and dependence from Yahweh and put it on anything else. I really think that the gods, these, these false gods, would love it if theaters were full of people calling themselves Christians, doing good things, being moralistic, having good behavior. 
but just not finding all of their sufficiency in what Christ has done for them. Singing songs that are all about us, not all about who Jesus is. That I'm convinced the enemy would love for the land to look really good so that he can show we don't need a God to do this. We can do this on our own. In fact, we've had many people who have said, you know, I don't really believe uh, the Bible and this need for Christian community because I have a good community and I'm not a Christian. That these gods want to make us believe things that just aren't true. And we unknowingly agree on a daily basis. We unknowingly agree to demonic agendas and we partner with the, the domain of darkness by saying that I... I will keep Yahweh, but I will have these other things. And that could be money, it could be control, it could be position, it could be relationship, it could even be religion. That I'll have Yahweh and my religion. And having Yahweh is not enough. I have to have my religion where I do the right things and don't do things that I shouldn't do. And if both of these things are good, then, then I feel good about myself and therefore God must feel good about me too. That's anti-gospel. Because the gospel says, that we were so bad and we couldn't do anything about it, but Jesus loves us so much that he came, died in our place, gave us a new identity, rose from the grave so that we could be with him forever, not just forever after we die, but forever now. That we're in real relationship, and right now, Jesus is here with us in this room. That Yahweh is not somewhere else. He's not in theater nine looking for where did everyone go. He's here in our midst, and at home he's with you. But here's the thing, we're constantly attacked, aren't we? We're constantly attacked by these false gods. And the cry of Yahweh's people, we're, we're, we're so tired of getting constantly attacked, it's, it's like a barrage of attacks against us to believe, to trust, to have faith, to, to work out our belief in Him. That listen to the cry of God's people. In Psalm 60, well, when it comes up, it'll be amazing. Here we go. Psalm 82, verse 6 to 8. I said, you are gods. You are all sons of the Most High. However, you will die like humans and fall like any other ruler. Rise up, God. Judge the earth for all the nations belong to you. The cry of Yahweh's people is to be delivered. Would you deliver us from these false gods? Would you deliver us from these lies? Would you deliver us from constantly wanting to turn back toward darkness? Would you deliver us? And do you know how God answers this prayer? He answers this prayer by coming himself in the person of Jesus. Now, why did Jesus come? Okay, to die for our sins. Front row answer. To destroy the works of the devil. Right answer, right answer, all right? But this is the answer I was going to say. So look at why Jesus came. I'm going to give you four or three quick verses here. 1 John 3.8, the Son of God was revealed. Jesus was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the devil's works. Mark 1.39, he went into all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Now I'm going to fast forward this verse here. Acts 10 verse 38. 
How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And how he went about doing good and healing all who were under the tyranny of the devil. Because God was with him. The New Testament is full of demon fleeing accounts. Why? Because Jesus walks in the door. Jesus walks in the door and says, get out. I'm here. The kingdom of light, the kingdom of the beloved son is here now. And so the kingdom of darkness cannot be here any longer. Jesus is the answer to the prayer in Psalm 82 to be delivered. And do you know what is the the final death blow that Jesus brings against these dark rulers? Yeah, man. The resurrection of the dead. Right? Listen to this. Colossians. Did I go backwards? There we go. Colossians 2. And when you, us, were dead in our trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all of our trespasses. He erased the certificate of debt with all its obligations that was against us and opposed and opposed to us, and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. Now here it comes. He disarmed the rulers and authorities, the demons, the false gods. He disarmed them. It's like walking up to someone in Fortnite, grabbing their gun and just taking it away. It's like, but I, but I wanted to play. No, I just took your gun. You don't get to play anymore. And then you shoot them, and then you win, I think. I think that's how the game goes. But this, it doesn't matter if it goes out. I'm the one with the microphone and that's how it goes. All right? He disarmed the rulers and authorities and he disgraced them publicly. He mocks the false gods publicly. He triumphs over them in him. So Jesus rises from the dead and in a very godly way says, suckers, you thought you had me. You thought you destroyed me. You thought for a moment that you were going to be the rulers of the world. But I'm the one in charge. I'm the one who's come to bring life to the dead. I'm the one who's coming to forgive the unforgivable. I'm coming to bring in the orphan. I'm the one who's going to bring in the leper. I'm the one who's going to welcome into my family all those who feel like they don't have a religious shot. Because I'm alive. And if I'm alive, then anything is possible. This is why he's so far better than any of the other gods. And then he goes further. And I'm almost done. I'm almost done. He goes a little bit further. He then gives us the power to renounce these gods. Let me show you how powerful I am. I'm going to give you, my people, authority over these false gods. This is one of my favorite accounts in the book of Acts. Let me read it to you. Now once, as we were on our way to prayer, a slave girl met us who had a spirit, a demon, by which she predicted the future. She made a large profit for her owners by fortune-telling. There, there were real gods involved in tarot cards and fortune-telling and all those things. They're just not Yahweh. As she followed Paul and us, she cried out, these men who are proclaiming to you a way of salvation are the servants of the Most High God. Imagine walking around the city trying to preach about Jesus and having a, a girl constantly yelling over you. Look what happens. She did this for many days. And Paul was greatly annoyed. If you get annoyed at little girls yelling, you have biblical precedent. Okay? Turning to the spirit, turning to the false god, he said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And what happens? It came out right away. The power that Jesus has over the domain of darkness has been given to us. Why? Because Jesus knows that we are at war. 
You have to hear this. We are at war, but it's a war that's already been won. It's a war that's already been won. The resurrection has already sealed it for us. The Spirit has sealed us as his people. The gods have been put to shame by Yahweh. But here's the deal. Even though they know they've been defeated, they still want to destroy us. They still want to destroy us. But let me end with this. You have been equipped for war. Yahweh, Yahweh, the God of gods, has equipped you for war. Let me read Ephesians 6, 13 to 18. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day. What does resist mean? It means what? Fight. Yeah, it doesn't say run away. When, when the false gods show up, God says, you resist. You stand firm. You choke them out. Nehemiah and Malachi are doing jiu-jitsu, right? They're learning to choke people out. Like, that's awesome. It's amazing, right? You resist them. And having prepared everything to take your stand, here's how we've been equipped. As soon as, as soon as, there, there we go. Stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist. You have the truth about who Yahweh is and you have the truth about who you are. That no false God can snatch you from his hand. You are his, completely his, never to be taken. The lies that are spoken over you, you are your temptations, you are your sins, you are your failures. Those aren't true. Those aren't the truest things about you. You aren't your struggles. You are sons and daughters of the most high God. Put on that belt of truth. You're righteous. Righteous. You are the righteousness of God. You are made right in the sight of God. Right now, something will happen to you and you're going to go be with him. You're going to be in his presence as righteous because of Jesus and what he did on your account. Don't let these false gods lie to you because you could actually say to them, you're right, I'm worse than that. I'm worse than you're telling me than I am. But Jesus Christ, he's the righteous one who gave me his righteousness. His account is all mine. So everything you're telling me is a lie. Let's keep going. And your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. That you are proclaimers of peace. You have been reconciled with the Father. You've been reconciled with Yahweh. And now you get to go and tell of this reconciliation to those who have no peace. My goodness, we don't have peace in our city, do we? We don't have peace in our world. And we get to be the ones that propose the God of all peace. And there's a verse in Romans that says, the God of all peace will soon crush Satan. Where? Under our feet. I think I've said this before, but as Satan is finally being trampled that last time, I think God is going to let us all have a go around. He's going to be like, go ahead, put your heel right there. That we'll get to participate in the stomping and crushing of his head once and for all. That we get to go out to our city with peace. In every situation. How many situations? Every situation. Take up the shield of faith to believe what you don't see. Take up the shield of faith 
with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Have you ever watched a movie where, an old movie, Braveheart-ish movie, where lots of flaming arrows are being shot, and the guys who have the shields are just walking across the front line? I know I'm going out of camera. And, and they're just getting pelted with these arrows, these flaming arrows. But they're okay. Why? Because they have a shield. You get to move through all your life with the shield of faith. Where when lies are being shot at you, you just get to put up, but I, I don't believe those things. I believe the one who has rescued me and that his voice is true. Trying to fly through these, but there we go. Take the helmet of salvation. Protect your head. Protect your head that I have been rescued and saved. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You can't really live a robust, vibrant relationship with God without the word of God. You can't. So you get to be in here all the time. What does God have to say? He has to say a lot. Search him out. Ask, where do you want to speak to me about these things that I'm working through? Listen to him. Don't listen to your thoughts. Your thoughts are crazy. You're nuts. I'm nuts, right? We're crazy so often. And this is what can make us sane. That we get to hear from his spirit through his word. And then we finally we get to talk to him. Pray at all times, in every situation, at all times, in the spirit with every prayer and request, and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Being praying for yourself, be praying for others, because this, these gods aren't just against you. They're against your brothers and sisters as well, and they want to take them out. And so be praying. If you're prompted to pray for people, do that. Yes, have a good prayer time, but also be praying at all times. And don't be naive. Don't be naive to think that you're just walking out the victorious Christian life. You have to actually fight for that. This is a real fight. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon said. When you sleep, think that you are resting on the battlefield. When you walk, suspect an ambush in every hedge. This is our fight. This is our fight. Don't, don't move into your day because you had a sweet, quiet time that like, ah, oh, man, I listened to, to some Hillsong this morning and life is going to be amazing, right? Or I, I got my psalm for the day, my verse of the day, like I am jiving with the Lord. Yahweh is my friend. I am a friend of God. Because in that moment, there are other gods all around being like, yeah, I know what you struggle with. I know what you struggle with. I know how to bring them into your situation. They're, they're beings trying to orchestrate things against you. And if you don't think you're that important that they would be doing that, you are naive. They love ripping people away from the kingdom of God. They love pulling you away from your dependence on God. And so here's, here's my final admonition. Don't live the Christian life alone. You were made to do it in community. You were made to do it in community. If you're not checking in with other people, if people aren't checking in with you, if you aren't in a city group, if you aren't connecting with people, then this is your next step to get plugged in with people who are going to love you, care for you, call you out, help you understand the voices that you're hearing and helping identify what's true and what's from God and what isn't. War is a communal activity. It's not a UFC battle. It's not a wrestling match. It's a communal activity that we go into with our brothers and sisters, with our warrior Jesus in front of us, having already said, guys, we're going in this, but I've already won it. It's all done. Yahweh is the only Elohim worthy of worship.
So let's worship him. So we're going to respond this morning in a few ways. Um, Just letting you know that starting next week, we're going to make our gatherings uh, a lot more participatory. So if, if you're here with us in the theater, a lot more questions, a lot more interaction, sharing stories potentially. We'll have to figure out how to do that, but we want to be doing this together. So let me just give a few things of how we respond. Uh, first, giving. Uh, you probably can't see this if you're way up there. Normally it's huge up here. But church21.ca backslash give. Um, online thing there. You can give through that way. We don't have giving here. If Church 21 is your home, uh, then part of our opportunity and privilege is to, to give what the Lord has given to us. So giving, um, so the more people in the city can see false gods toppled. City groups. I spoke about city groups. Um, there's an email here, again, super small, but engage at church21.ca. If you want to be part of a city group, this is a, well, we're redefining what these are because of our limitations, uh, but these are basically a few households that are getting together, right, like two households or up to six people at this time, uh, and some Zoom activity and some, some interaction uh, with the greater community in outings while it's still warm, and opportunities for those who don't yet know Jesus to get to be brought into some of those things as well. So city groups really are the lifeblood of, of our church, and so we'd love for you to get plugged into one. If you're interested, engage at church21.ca, and I would say really you should be. We're at war. We need to be at war together. And lastly, let me give you a quick update. Um, so this, this is kind of a bummer that we have to be meeting in 25 in this, in this huge room. Uh, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to continue to do that. Next week, we're going to be back here again, 25 people in this room, unless um, restrictions get lifted. But we're planning, we're hoping to be able to do two gatherings here uh, during the morning so we can have 50 people. Like, wow, amazing. Um, 50 people here. But this is a big change, is that we, we have gone ahead and found locations for people to be meeting at throughout the city and the region. So I believe at this moment the South Shore has two different locations. Uh, Trenton is probably watching angry if that's not true at this point, but I can't hear from him. I actually shut my phone off. So, um, so South Shore I know will be taken care of. Uh, we do have one in the West Island that's going to be taken care of. Uh, we're searching for one in NDG, and then we're going to use this space for the downtown uh, city groups and visitors. Um, but basically, here's how it's going to run. We're going to do a live stream at the beginning. Um, we're going we're to make it shorter on the front end, so it's going to be like announcements, sermon, and then the live stream will be cut. And everything else will be done on location. So you have people sharing testimonies. You'll be having uh, someone playing music. You'll be taking communion in a way that is very safe. And we'll be explaining how we'll do that over the course of this week. But you will get to be with people. You'll get to see people face to face. We'll have just a short amount of, of live stream content. And then you get to be with your people and do that. So we've been working really hard to make this happen. Uh, hopefully it's all going to go. If it goes to code red or like whatever we're calling that, then uh, all plans uh, get scrapped and reworked again. But today, September 27th, this is our update. This is our plan. And uh, so we're going to be moving with that. But let me pray for us. Ryan's going to sing uh, one more song for us. And then Jordan is going to give us some announcements and we'll be sent out. But Yahweh, you are the true God above all gods. You are incredible and you have equipped us for war. Help us to not be naive, 
that we are truly going out. Right now we're in a war. There are things probably going on inside of our mind and our heart that are battling for our, our attention and our affection and our dependence. And Yahweh, would you through your spirit be whispering that I am enough for you. I am enough for you. I want to pray for anyone who doesn't yet know you that this morning they might turn away from these false gods and turn to you, Jesus, their rescuer, knowing that you disarmed the false gods and the sin that held us in bondage so that we could be yours. I pray you'd make us a generous people. Make us wise. I pray that you would bring revival to our church, to our hearts, to the city, so that so many people, so many people, would be called children of God. But we need you for that. We need you to do it. We don't have it in us. We love you. We're dependent. Help us to respond well. Amen.